Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Well, it was the summer uh, 2021. Uh, Central Youth was headed to a houseboat camp. We got into vans, we got a truck, a U-Haul, we traveled all the way to Shasta Lake, and we get there and they hand us the keys to our houseboat and they said, who's ever driven a boat before? Uh, None of us really have except for uh, Jeremiah, but the rest of us were like, we don't know. So naturally they taught us how to do it in about two minutes, and they gave us the keys and they said, hey guys, uh, why don't you uh, follow us, you're going to go past the buoys, you're going to hang a left, and then you'll see us. So we get into the, uh, the boat, and we head our way. We make a left, and 10 minutes go by, and we see no one. 20 minutes go by. We still don't see the people. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, 60 minutes. And what felt like forever, we had no idea. So I did what I could do naturally here at church is I said, what do I do? Ask Regan. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do we do? He's like, I honestly have no idea where we're at. Um, and so if a Regan doesn't know what to do, you kind of start to be like, oh, we're kind of screwed, okay? Um, and so we tried the next two things that we did. We grabbed our phones and no service. We grabbed the walkie-talkies that they provided us. Guess what? They didn't work. And so we are like, gosh, what do we do? Uh, so Jeremiah says, I say we try going around that bend, and if they're not there, we head back. And so we go around, and finally we see them. And so it's the night, first night of camp. Everyone's excited. Uh, Cameron wins a dance competition. Ask him about it. Uh, it's the end of the night. It's pitch black. We're at the top of this hill. And it's a good, solid, probably, I would say, at least 150-yard hike incline from the boat to where we were meeting. Uh, it's pitch black, and kids are falling down this hill. Okay? This, right now, it's so funny to think about, but then I'm like, oh, my gosh. These students are going to go back so broken. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to tell my parents. It's going to be really weird. Um, and so all these things are happening, right? And the next morning, guess what? We wake up, and our milk is spoiled. All of our food has gone bad because the generator was not working. This is the start of our 2021 camp. And then over the next few days, all these things start happening where we're like, what are we doing here? What is going on? What did I do wrong? God is coming for us. We're, this, this, is, this is for all my sin. This is why it's happening. Just kidding. Uh, but so all these things are happening. Tons of good things happen in the middle of it, right? Students uh, end up encountering God. Things happen. Uh, the guest speaker every single night talks about poop. Uh, after one time, after one time, it's okay. But the next 15 times, you're like, dude, at what point are you lying? Okay. Then all these things are happening, and then it's coming to be the last night of camp. All these things happened, and all of a sudden we hear, and then it starts raining. And you want to know what's worse than one smelly middle schooler? Being in a 400-square-foot houseboat with 10 of them who haven't showered in an entire week. Have you guys ever heard of lake showers? They don't work, okay? They don't work, so we're all stuck in this little um, houseboat, but guess what? We're having a good time. We're cracking jokes. Guys are doing what guys do. We have no idea what the girls are doing. Um, They're probably just like, they're like encouraging each other, like you're so awesome. Um, 
But then camp is coming to a close, right? It's almost over. And we're like, okay, we've almost done it. God showed up. Kids didn't get hurt. Uh, Jeremiah, let's go get the car. Let's go get the truck. We'll load up. And we get to the truck, and it doesn't start. I'm not making any of this up. You can go ask the students. You can go ask Jeremiah. Um, and so I, here's what happened. We walked. It's like 115 degrees. We have to walk like all this way to a car. The students think that we're probably over there drinking water, having a good time while they're in heat. Um, and I'm like, okay, I have to walk up to the van, which is even further than the actual truck. And by the time I get to that, I'm going to come down. Jeremiah's going to have everything packed. We're going to be on our way. And I turn the corner, and Jeremiah's underneath the truck. <laughs> And so we did what we naturally do. We called Pat Reagan. Okay. And Pat says, grab something big and knock something on the car. I don't even know what it was, but it worked. <laughs> and so what did we do? We, we drove back home. We stopped for In-N-Out. We left the car running. We got our In-N-Out. We headed back to Central Christian Church right here, 2555 Meridian Avenue. And I said, thank you, Jesus, out loud. I said, thank you for everyone coming back with all their fingers. Everything was fine. Uh, I tell you that story just to tell you that there's moments in life that we never want to relive. There's moments that we never want to be back into, right? That's just the truth. And it's not to say that I would never go do that camp. I would never do that again. But here's what my mind goes to now. Every time that I prepare for camp, I think, okay, what can I do to prevent this? What can I do to stay away from this kind of thing? What can I do to get myself in a, in a better chance to win, right? I think the same is true for you and I and our relationships with Jesus, is that those of us who would consider ourselves believers know that there was a place in our life where we no longer want to go back to. There's not necessarily uh, all this pain and all these things, but we, we could say now we've experienced more freedom than we've ever experienced before. We've experienced more joy than we've ever experienced before because of what he's done. And so that kind of mindset is how we ought to engage with our walk on a daily basis. Just be reminded of how we cannot go back to that way and hold on to truths that can really keep us engaged with our walk and, and just going after Jesus. And so here at Central, we have uh, one way that we kind of end our service. And if you've been coming here for a while, you might know it. But we end by saying something to you guys that is a, tr a biblical truth that's found in Romans 8. If God is for us, what? <laughs> Who could be against us? It's a biblical truth. Uh, but there's tons of other biblical truths out there, right? And so today I hope to kind of share some of those um, that's we are, that I've kind of learned over my life. And some of these phrases are phrases that you've maybe heard in songs or just things that you've heard spoken out loud before. And so we're continuing our reading through Romans, going through it as a church. And I get the honor of sharing with you guys today. My name is Michael. Uh, I am actually just I'm the youth pastor here, so I get to hang out with students. But I also get to partner uh, with different organizations because uh, I also help with our community engagement. So things like City Team and the food pantries and uh, any of the lunches that we've had to serve nurses and all the things you can think of, uh, just what would ever uh, spread love to our community are things that I get to do, and that's just what we do as a church, right? So that's a little bit about me and what I do here, but uh, we're going to go ahead and point our eyes to the screen and read a verse together. And we're going to go through the whole thing, and then we're going to dissect it. So if you guys wouldn't mind, if you're able, can you guys stand for the reading of God's word as we continue on with the rest of the message? I'll read it. You guys receive it, download it, 
into your heart. It says, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any parts of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Jesus, we just thank you so much for these words. God, we ask that you would um, put it into our hearts, the truths that you've declared over us, the things that you've done for us. God, we ask that you would speak into each and every one of our lives in this moment. And God, even if we all take something different, God, we just ask that at the end of the day, we come closer to you, closer to who you are, closer to what you're speaking. And God, if we, if we don't know you, if we're just checking this out, God, we ask that you would reveal truth to us. God, that we would have an open heart for what you have. And Lord, we thank you for these people. We thank you for for this church family. We thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. We love you so much. We need you and you can't live without you. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. So Romans 6, 5 says this. It says, for if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. So one of the first truths today that we can hold on to is that we are united in Christ. It's an amazing truth. It's something that is so significant to our lives. This passage explains why the idea of salvation by grace through faith is not a license to keep sinning. It's not an excuse to keep doing what you were doing. But Paul means to allow us to understand that we are newly alive in this spiritual journey. This verse says that since we have been united with Christ in a spiritual death like this, we will also be united with him in a physical resurrection like the one he experienced. The reality is that one day uh, each of us are going to die, right? But the truth behind that is when we say yes to a life with Jesus, we too will uh, resurrect in the same way in the sense we get to spend eternity with him. We get to experience his glory in its fullness. And that's an exciting thing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. I want to park on this aspect of uh, Romans 6.5. It's this word united. Now, we all live in the United States. We are maybe from here. We've we've come here. But right now, we are all currently here, right? And there's this, this statement, United States, and at one point in time, this country was founded on what? Biblical principles. They were hopeful to say that we would be a nation united by what Jesus has called us to, freedom. And that in itself, somewhere along the line, maybe has changed. Maybe we don't feel that way, but its foundations, its roots is that. And united in its own nature is only, uh, when you're united with freedom, you only get that by way of Jesus. 
I love the way that John Piper describes this, this word united. It's, it's like this. It's the reality of all the ways that the Bible pictures our human connectedness to Christ, in which he is indispensable for every good that we enjoy. It's just another way of saying how many of you guys in your life have desired to feel peace? Raise your hands. How many of you guys have desired to understand love, to experience hope, to experience joy? In our hearts, we've all desired that, right? But when you're united to Christ, you have access to all those things. You have access to peace. You have access to freedom. You have access to joy. It doesn't necessarily mean you get it right in in that moment. Like not everything physically changes right away. Sometimes it's a process. But the reality is, is because we are united with him, we have access to that. That means peace, joy, hope, all those things that you've always longed for come by way of being united to Christ. And isn't that a wonderful truth to hold on to? Isn't that a wonderful thing? We're going to go through a bunch of these truths. And honestly, each and every one of these could be their own full sermon. But my hope today is to share that these truths um, could be things that you guys should, if you feel like God is highlighting once you, I encourage you to study it, to go after it, to, 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 to say, God, what is this speaking to my life? Uh, Romans 6, 6, 7 says this. It says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Truth number two is we are no longer slaves to sin. Isn't that awesome? It's an amazing truth to hold on to. It's an amazing thing. And Paul adds a new layer of understanding to it in saying that the way that he died is the same way that our spiritual sin, in a sense, was crucified. So as God was physically crucified, the body of sin was spiritually crucified so that our old self, the one that existed in sin and self-reliance in our own way, no longer exists. It's saying that we choose to let that go on the cross that Jesus paid the penalty for. And our response in faith is is just what God does mysteriously and powerfully removes that from our lives and puts to death our old self that was under the rule of sin. And when the old self was crucified, the body of sin itself was crucified. It's this way of saying that the body as an entity that controlled us before when we didn't know Jesus, no longer has a say, no longer has control. We are no longer slaves. We were slaves to sin, and now we've been freed from that. We've been freed from the power and authority that it had over our lives. In other words, sin is not in charge of us anymore. We get to say. We get to own it. We get to go after God. We get to see the change. Isn't that amazing? And it'll become more clear that We still desire to sin. We still have that in our lives. But the truth is that it no longer has a say. And if we choose to sin, it's because we give into temptation. It's because we choose to go back into old habits. 1 John 1, 9, 10 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. What's true, people, is that regardless of what you continue to do, is that he forgives us. He makes us clean. He makes us seem righteous. And because of that, because of that, we are no longer slaves to sin. And isn't that a wonderful truth to hold on to? 
Romans 6, 8 says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Truth number three is that God gives us credit for his righteousness. The word if in this statement can also be said as since. Since if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. Paul tells us in a previous verse that our faith in Christ began with a spirit baptism into Christ. And what happens in this moment is it allows us to so closely identify with him that God gives us credit for his righteousness. I've never really understood what that means. Like, why would God do that for me? Why would God do that for us? Think of all the things that could be wrong in this room that we've done. Why would he credit us his righteousness? And so there's been moments and experiences in my life that I've had to um, really sit in and understand in order to really get closer to really accepting this in its fullness. Not saying I don't believe it, but it's just hard to fathom that someone would do that for me. Uh, But I was a missionary, as some of you guys may know, uh, doing campus ministry. I was living in Huntington Beach, and um, once in a while, you got to treat yourself, you know? Every once in a while, you got to go out. And so I decided to get myself a sandwich one day. (laughs) It's not just any sandwich, trust me. If I had a chance, if I had $3 billion right now, I would say, at the end of this service, I'm buying you all flights, and we're going to get this sandwich, okay? That's how I feel about this. Uh, They got this little sauce. How many of you guys know uh, that some places aren't actually that good, but the sauce? Everyone say it, the sauce. Yes. So I went and I got the sauce. I was feeling good. And I get in my Toyota. Thank you, mom and dad. I get in my Toyota and I'm driving down Beach Boulevard in Huntington Beach. And my lights start flashing on my dashboard. And my car slowly starts to die. My steering wheel locks up. And what do I do? I didn't call Pat Regan this time. I called my dad. I said, Dad, my car started blinking and the steering wheel's locked. He says, sounds like your alternator. I said, sounds like, can you come help me? (laughs) Um, But no, he said, you got to call someone to pick you up first and foremost. Uh, Are you in a safe place? Yes, yes. All right, you're probably going to have to take it to a mechanic. I don't know if you know of anyone out there. Uh, so I call my friend, picks it up, and what did I do? Naturally, I pulled out my phone and I took a picture so people could feel bad for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just took a picture and I posted it and I said, well, here we are today, guys. Side of the road, this is Michael Crow from Channel 4 News. Uh, missionary broken down on the side of the road, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll get back to you soon, Charles. Um, no, I didn't do that at all. Um, but car's broken down. My friend comes and picks me up. And I take it to the mechanic. He calls me back later, says, yep, it's your alternator. It uh, needs to be replaced. And uh, being a missionary, here's what's true sometimes. It's not true for everybody. Uh, but for me, I kind of lived in a way where I had enough money for rent, I had enough money to eat, and enough money to get to and from. And not always enough money to do much more than that. And I, honestly, if I could go back and do it, I'd do it all over again, right? Loved it, had that season. But when this happened, I was like, how am I going to pay for this? Um, You get to a point in time in life where you want to become independent in certain things, right? The only time I want to ask my dad for something is if I want, like, a new video game. Still that way. Uh, Or, or dad, what's for dinner, you know? But when something like that happens, you're like, I'm a man now. (laughs) I can figure this out. But then you realize, I got no money. Um, (laughs) 
but it's okay. I get a phone call from a good friend of mine named Zach. If you guys uh, are in youth, you probably know who he is. Uh, you guys call him Brown Zach. Um, he's, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, but Zach calls me and he says, hey, man, I just got off the phone with uh, my grandparents. And I told them what happened to you. And they want to give money towards your car. And I was like, that's weird. Why would they want to do that, right? And a few minutes later, again, I get a... A call from a friend uh, named Taylor Rasai. He's an awesome guy. He says, hey, man, I saw what happened. Uh, I want to give some money towards your car to get fixed. And obviously, what happened was the exact amount that they gave me was the exact amount I owed, right? It always happens. It just happens that way. And it's really, it was really awesome. But what threw me off is that I never met Zach's grandparents in my life. Prior to this conversation with Zach, they had never known that I existed. They had never heard of Michael. They never knew what was going on in Michael's life. But something compelled their heart to feel so compassionate and filled with love to say, hey, I want to help meet this. I want to help change this situation. I want to help this person who's hurting. And this friend that also gave to me, for some reason, I hadn't talked to him in a long time, said, hey, I want to help you out. And here's what didn't happen. I didn't go to Tony's uh, auto place and hand him a card and him say, hey, no, you have to pay this debt. This is your car. This is your money you have to give me. It's not someone else's. What he didn't know is what happened, right? But what happened was someone's credit to my life fully changed my circumstance. And in the same way, for you, for me, for us who have called ourselves believers, Jesus said, I want to pay that for you. I want to take that for you. You get the gift. You just get to walk away and drive in your car. You get to walk away and experience peace. You get to walk away and experience hope. And when that happens, what happens in our lives? Generosity changes us, right? It causes us to live different, and God intends for us to live in that way that we met him. You see, God gives us credit for his righteousness, and isn't that a wonderful truth to hold on to? Romans 6, 9 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The fourth truth today is that death lost its sting. I'm going to say it again. Death lost its sting. There's just this reality that this was a one-time occurrence. That God defeated death when Christ left the grave behind. That it no longer had authority over him. It no longer could drag him back into that place. That that one time he left was enough to claim victory for all of us. That one time. And it's a beautiful thing because Christ was no longer forced to submit to that, right? To death. We no longer have to submit to that. Earlier in the text we've seen, um, not this text, but just in general, Paul wrote in a previous chapter that Adam's sin introduced sin and death into the world. And death reigned over all who came from Adam. It had dominion and authority over the entire humanity. Every person eventually had to submit to it. And we all still do, right, in a way. But what happens now is that Jesus left the grave behind. Is that because of that, we get to inherit the kingdom of God. We get to experience heaven. We get to walk in this, uh, this truth that he claims for us. And then Christ submits to it. But once he's resurrected, it no longer has power. It no longer has a say. The resurrection set Christ free from the, the authority of death. 
In the same way that we who are dead to sin through faith in Christ are no longer having to submit to sin. It's no longer uh, our owners. It's no longer our masters. It no longer has a say. This one victory was enough for us to claim victory as well. Because God sent his son to destroy the works of the devil. And the devil's only goal is to try to keep us from that. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 9, it says, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work, the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Isn't that awesome? That his victory is our victory. That death does not have the final say in our lives. Death does have nothing to do with it. It has no authority in us. It can no longer dictate where we're going because we have Jesus. Because of the cross, death has lost its sting. And isn't that a wonderful truth to hold on to? Romans 6.10 says, The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And the truth of that is that that one-time victory was for our past, for our present, and for our future. Now, Paul's showing us in Christ's example what will happen for us. Christ died to sin, but of course it wasn't his own, right? He did not sin. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews 4, 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, the reason he died, he died to pay for the sin of those who would trust in him. And this is accessible to anyone, anyone. It's not just for us who believe, it's for those who are still trying to find out who Jesus is to their life. Hebrews 9, 26 says, Otherwise, Christ would have to have suffered many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with the sin by the sacrifice of himself. It was a one-time payment for the sins of others, including our past, our present, our future. It's continued to go on in our lives. And guess what? Christ does not need to go back to the cross every time we do something wrong. He doesn't need to go back. But in, in the same sense, he has finished the job of dying for the sins of humanity. The job is over. And all we have to do is receive him into our lives, receive him into our hearts. Christ is resurrected and he lives again to God. In other words, Christ's continued purpose is to live and to keep on living as God and for God's glory forever. He has no other agenda. In that same way, our new lives in Christ, with Christ, therefore, are headed in the same direction. That when we say yes to him, we just come and confess. We come and say, God, we want you more. We get to just grow in our faith with him. We get to fall more in love with him. We get to see more of his newness every day. His only inheritance from us now is from glory to glory, going after the goodness of his heart, going after the things that he has for us, and we get to choose to receive those. His one victory was all that was needed. It doesn't have to happen over and over for our past, our present, and our future, and isn't that a wonderful truth to hold on to? Romans 6.11 says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Truth number six is dead to sin, 
but a life in Jesus. And Christ is literally our life. What that means, uh, Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who you are, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The truth is we kind of have to change the way we think about ourselves. We kind of no longer can operate out of the self-reliance, the we got it all together, we can figure it out, people that we've always been, the independent operators. And I know that you've probably dealt with that. I'm not just saying, hey, like trying to come and accuse you. But each and every one of us at one point in our life said, I just got to figure this out. I just got to do this. I just got to get it done. And the truth is, Scripture tells us how to kind of deal with these things, right? But we got to think of ourselves as actually dead to sin and alive in Jesus. But what does it mean to be dead to sin? Well, verse 6 said this. It said, our old self was crucified with Christ in the body of sin. That held us as slaves, right? That was controlling us, but it is done away with. It's dead. It's no longer there in our lives. It exists as nothing. In other words, we've been freed from the power of sin over our lives. And that's amazing. In, the, in that sense, we're dead to sin and it can no longer compel us. We've got to keep reminding ourselves this. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's so awesome to know that as we are dead to sin and alive in Jesus, there's practical things that we can do. There's practical ways that we can get closer to God. And you've probably heard him your whole life if you've gone to church at all. Um, is that you got to read your word. you got to invest in your church. you got to invest in community. you gotta, you got to practice the ways of Jesus. And by doing that, just, just literally you find out what he did by what? Reading what he did. Every year of my life, and it usually happens around my birthday, it's my full calendar year, right? August 20th, just in case you guys were wondering. Um, happy August 20th, and I like golfing. Um, if you want my address, ask my dad. He'll, he lives in Gilroy. Jonathan, tell him. <laughs> um, no, I don't. But every year... Uh, what I do is I read through the New Testament again. Because I say to myself, God, I want to look more like you. I want to look more like Jesus. So I read through the New Testament at that same point every year and say to myself, like, man, he is awesome. I am not like this. I look nothing like this, but my desire in that moment is to look more like him. And the reality is to be alive in him is a, is a desire to know more of what he has for us. More of what he's speaking into our lives. And my, I'm not challenging you to do the same thing that I do, but I'm challenging you to say, man, what ways can you look more like Jesus, more alive like Jesus this next week? And one day, one day, right? Start small. Start with something simple like, man, God served people, so maybe I ought to. Man, God, God hung out with people that no one else would. Maybe I have to. Maybe I should. Maybe I should try to look more alive in Jesus. And it's so fun to do because we get to just see people smile. We get to see people experience his goodness for the first time. I'll be honest, I love going to the food pantries. If I could just do that every day, it'd be awesome because I get to give someone something and I get nothing back except for knowing that someone felt loved, know that someone got to eat, know that someone got to come and for one moment feel like someone loved him. Alive in Jesus is just that. And it's so awesome to do. And Paul encourages us to keep having these conversations with ourselves over and over. 
And he almost says that we have to take charge because we're having a battle with ourselves in some ways. But it's because of his love, because of his kindness, because of what God has done that we are dead to sin and alive in Jesus. And isn't that a wonderful truth to hold on to? Romans 6, 12 says this, 12 through 13 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And the way that I kind of think of this truth is that we have control and authority. And that might seem like an interesting way to put it, But Paul kind of makes it clear throughout this text that those of us in Christ must engage in a kind of battle with ourselves. This whole message is a message of when something goes wrong, would you be reminded of these truths, the things that God has done for you? No longer slaves, all these things. And he's telling us that we got to go to battle, right? we got to go to war with this. And we have not lost our desire to sin. Uh, I think of what Tim said a couple weeks ago. It's like, you know, when you go to school and your teacher says, hey, don't do all these things, you think of, oh, I never thought to do that. I'm going to try that out. (laughs) We were all in high school. Any rule breakers in the house? (laughs) More hands up. If not, you guys, if you're not, if you weren't a rule breaker, your your parents raised you right. Good job. (laughs) Good job. Um... But yeah, this whole truth is that Paul commands us not to volunteer to sin. He's telling us that we, sh- we got to take control of our bodies. And now he puts an even finer point on it. He says we must not present our members in any part of our bodies for sin to be used to do unrighteousness. And notice something about this command in a way is that it insists that we have control over what we do. We have control over our own bodies, right? Look at this. Boom. I did that. Yes. And now if I choose to respond to someone or something that happens, like an altercation, right? Someone says, hey, your feet stink. I say, no, it doesn't. That's my brother. Just kidding. <laughs> Boom, right? I have control over how I respond. But I have control over how I talk. I have control over the things that I say. And it's really hard to, to work on that muscle in its own nature. We all have our areas where we're like, you're going to get clocked if you do this. Like, don't talk about my mama. Don't talk about my mama, right? I remember one time I was, I used to play hockey, and I know you're like, Michael, you're like 5'9", so how do you play hockey? (laughs) Joke's on you, I was decent. Um, But we were playing this game, and this guy says something to me, and he goes, your mom. How many of you guys know that's the dumbest thing that you can say to a dude? Your mom. And so it's like the one time in my life that I like was started to go after someone in the middle of a game. I usually just walked away, but he said, your mom. And so I wanted to let him know that my mom's awesome. My mama loves me. My mama loves me. She can't cook that good, but she loves me. Uh, sorry, mom. Hey, but she buys me that rice that I like from Costco. That's what's up. Uh, but there's these things, right? You, got, you have control in that moment, and there's always these things that trigger us, but it's a, choose to, it's a choice to respond in love. It's a choice to say, man, God, God they don't know what they're doing right now. They, they don't mean that. They don't know who I am. And in the same way, that kid had no idea who my mom was. He probably couldn't have pointed her out in the crowd. The truth is we have a responsibility to respond from death to life so that people would say, look, they are changed. They know Jesus. 
And I want that in my life. And that's the reality is that we start by continually reminding ourselves that we actually and genuinely were brought from death to life. That's who we are now. And that's the life we're destined to live. It's the life where we say, man, I'm choosing the path that I didn't know before. Is that I don't want to be the same Michael that I was 10 years ago. And the same should be true for you, right? I don't want to be who I was when I was 15. I didn't put on deodorant. I didn't do those things. I didn't do those things. And today I'm going to put some on. And when it doesn't work, I'm going to try a new one. I'm going to keep doing things to get to the places that I want to be. And that same is true for God. It's like, man, if you want to be closer to him, you got to respond in action. You got to respond the way that he responds. You got to invest in what he invested. And the fact that we have control and authority means that God has equipped us, that God has equipped us to engage in these battles when things seem hard. And isn't that a wonderful truth? Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Truth number eight, and it's our final truth. Everyone say it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Because of God's grace. See, this whole context of this passage is the spiritual condition of a believer. Someone who's seen Jesus, who's, who's met him, who's changed. And Paul remarks uh, here, are for us specifically. And the reality is that Paul concludes his command to not allow ourselves to continue to do what we used to do. He reminds the reader that sin has no authority in our lives anymore. And that those without Christ, standing on their own merits apart from God, are compelled to sin just as we were. We were that same way. We were the same people who opted to try something in a way that we thought it would bring us joy, but then realized it didn't bring us joy. We, we were those people who, who understood that reality. But the truth is, because of Christ's death, because of his resurrection, we're no longer compelled to do it. We no longer desire that in our lives. We no longer desire what the world wants. We desire what God wants for us. The whole narrative changes. I remember a long time ago that I wanted to work in tech. I wanted to work at Apple, get a bunch of cash, serve the church, do these things. But then God came into my life and he said, Michael, I have a different plan for you. And would you receive this plan and run after it? And I'll tell you what, my life's never been the same. I've been changed. I believe in things that I never believed for. When someone tells me they're sick, I believe God can heal them. Because I've seen it. When someone tells me someone's too far from Christ, they're never going to come, I've seen God come and move in those lives. And those same people are the people who stand on stages like this. Those same people are the people who've been fully changed by the reality of what God does, and it's because of God's grace. It's not your own earning. It's not something that you came and had to pay for. It's something that you just got to hold on to like a free gift and say, oh, this is what I've always wanted. And the reality is that's true for our lives. And what's surprising is that Paul gives us this other kind of idea. He says that we are not under sin's authority because we're not under the law. And the law and its reality, in some sense, revealed to ourselves that we were powerless, that we were powerless against our own desires. But then what happened? Christ came and he said, you want power? I got it. If you want power, here it is. You want authority? You want control? Well, have it. You want freedom? Have it. You want peace? Take it. Invest in it. If you want to experience it, well, I got it. Everything that you've cried out for your entire life. I imagine what's happened across this room, moments where we've all been on our knees or on our faces or in our beds just saying, God, would you do this? 
God, would you come through? Would you, would you do this in my life? And he's saying, I want to. I'm going to. In my timing, in my, in my way, not so that you would get the glory, so that what? God would get the glory. Not because he's selfish, but because he is good. Because he's awesome. And it's because of that. Look, it says it over and over in different ways. Three different ways that we can reveal this. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. All you have to do is believe. And this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one else could boast. It wasn't Michael did all this. Michael did a cool thing. Central did a cool thing. No, but God revealed himself to his people. 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begin. Way before you cried out for hope, he had hope for you. Way before you could ever scream it out, way before you could ever desire it, he wanted it for you. Titus 2, 11 through 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's accessible to everyone. It's accessible to those who don't know him yet, for those who know him now, for those who are growing into him. It's accessible to all people's salvation, and it teaches us what? To say no to the ungodliness and worldly passions and to live life self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I end with because of God's grace. And this reality is true for each of us. The summary would be this. It's that because of God's grace, I'm united with him. It's because of God's grace, you're united with him. You're united with him. It's because of God's grace, you get to experience hope. It's because of God's grace, you get to experience the joy that you wanted your entire life. It's because of God's grace, we have a picture, a clear picture of what love looks like. It's because of God's grace that I'm no longer a slave to sin. It's because of God's grace that you're no longer a slave to sin. It's because of God's grace that he's freed us from that power. It's because of God's grace that he credits us his righteousness, that we get to be seen rightly. We get to experience eternity. We get to experience those things. It's because of God's grace. It's because of God's grace that death lost its sting. Victory. Man, there's nothing that feels better than winning. Tim knows. Tim knows he just, his team just won a championship. His team just won a championship. But you know, what's, you know what's better than that? A victory saying that we no longer have to submit to death, that we get to inherit the fullness of Jesus. Ah, that gets me excited. It gets me so excited because it's for God. It's because of God's grace that death lost. It's because of God's grace that that one-time victory was for our past, our present, and our future. We can hold on to those truths. It's because of God's grace that we're alive in Jesus and we have access to all those things. You guys get this? It's a choice. It's because of God's grace we have control and authority. That doesn't mean it's someone else's faith for you. It means you get to own it. It means you get to dive into what God has called you to do, not what God has called Tony to do for me or, or what God's called Tim to do for me, but what I get to do because God has uniquely made me, right? And the same is true for you. It's because of God's grace, we all can inherit salvation. And it's a choice. And so we end with an opportunity to do that. And I, I want to go as far as to say, man, if you've never made this commitment, this is for you. A lot of us here are here because we do believe this. A lot of us are here because we feel like God is working in our lives. But 
There might be a few of us who are in here because we have no idea if we believe this to be true. But what I've seen in God's, lo- God's plan for me is that my life is totally different. My family's totally different. I've seen miracles happen that I cannot explain without Jesus. I've seen power come. I've seen churches change. I've seen people forever different because of this. And I'm not saying that nothing else works. I'm not saying that like going to counseling is is bad and that people can't fix you. I've seen those do amazing things. But what I do believe too about those is that God has gifted people to do those. He's gifted this church in different ways. Those who are in tech, those who work at the post office, those who work at a coffee shop, those because the whole fullness of the church is that we would understand it's because of God's grace, everything that we do is unto his glory. It's unto what we have for him. And so first I want to pray for you guys who have received Jesus into your life. That these truths, though they may have been short in each kind of segment, but they weigh so much truth into our lives and that whatever the one is that sticks out to you most, that God would continue to do it in your life this week and that you would continue to study what that is. That's my encouragement to you, a practical thing. But I want to pray for those of you guys who are like, man, this, this, this makes sense. This is what I want. And so first, let's pray that. God, we thank you so much for every single person who said yes to you, for every single way that they've loved you, for every single way that they've invested in you. But God, we ask that we would be reminded that we're united with you, that we're no longer slaves. God, we thank you for your righteousness being credited to us. God, we thank you for the victory that took place at Calvary, the victory that made death lose its sting, the victory that was for our past, our present, and our future. God, we thank you that we get to be alive in you. And Lord, thank you for giving us control. Thank you for giving us authority. God, would we stand up today and walk and look different? Would we desire to know you more? Would we desire to be your best friend, someone who can count on you, someone who loves you dearly? Thank you so much. We recognize that maybe some of you have been trying to do it on your own for some time now. Just like me, the independent guy, the guy who wants to figure it out all on his own. And if you are tired of trying to figure out on your own and you're like, man, I need Jesus. I need him to come into my life and I want him into my life. Well, this is right here for you. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have everybody bow their head and close their, eye, close their eyes. But if you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never, uh, you don't consider yourself a follower of him, you don't consider yourself a believer, but you're like, man, I want this, I want this freedom, I want this joy, I want the love of Christ in my life, and I no longer want to do it on my own. If that's you, I'm going to ask that in just a moment, we're going to ask you to raise your hand and we just want to pray for you. But the Bible says this, it says, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that you would not perish, but have eternal life. And that God did not send his son into the world to to condemn the world, right? But this moment right here was so that you would experience joy, that you would experience peace, that you would experience the saving power. And so if that's something that you want, if you're saying, hey, I want to make Jesus the leader of my life and I've never done this before, I want you guys to raise your hand right now if that's you. 